Welcome, everyone, to Advisory Insights. Stuart Overman here, your host. Today is a special edition of our podcast. We're going to really discuss the, the cannabis industry. And in future podcasts, we're going to discuss uh, psychedelics and that whole emerging market, which is a whole nother, whole nother topic. Our, our amazing guest today, um, Justin uh, Morconi, uh, who is, is really an industry expert in this area, um, counsel to the firm and e- enormous credentials. Um, also, which includes the co-chair of the Philadelphia Bar Association um, Cannabis Section. And um, we're going to get some really, really real-time information. For those that did not have a chance to take a look at it and review um, our other podcasts, I would encourage you to do that with um, uh, with really a, a great amount of time period. on Because you're, you're looking at real-time legislative information on our previous podcast. Um, but today, you know, we're going to discuss... The, the emerging topic of, of cannabis rescheduling. And um, uh, Justin, I know that you're, again, you're, you're on top of this and, and you know, we, we want to jump in there and, and hear about, you know, what, what's the rescheduling from, you know, from a one to the marijuana and, you know, Tylenol and, and you know, coding. So I, I'm, I'm going to let you take the floor and, uh, you know, really discuss what's new on the, on the scheduling side and, and really what our, what our listeners want to know. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart, and thanks for having me. Um, it's an honor, and I'm really excited to talk about this topic today. This is something that the cannabis industry has been waiting for for almost for for for, for its entirety uh, of its existence, right? So traditionally, um, and still, cannabis is considered, and everybody probably knows this, who's even listening to this podcast, is a schedule one drug, right? So no medical use and high probability for abuse, right? And, and all, of, all of those statements now have been debunked around cannabis. So it doesn't really fit into schedule one. So thankfully, the Biden administration actually made a recommendation um, to the Department of Health and Human Services over a year ago um, to do a study on what should be the status of cannabis? What schedule should it take place, right? And there's five schedules, right? One being the most severe, five being the least, right? And it was all created in 1972, pursuant to the Controlled Substances Act, right? And at the time, right? But before that, cannabis was not a Schedule One drug, right? So in the 60s, right, everybody with the flower power, okay? They actually weren't really breaking the law with what they were doing at the time. Um, but that changed in 1972. And in 1972, the only entity that was allowed to grow, manufacture, and deliver cannabis to a certain number of patients under federal law, mind you, was the University of Mississippi. And that continued from 1972 up until 2020. So during that entire time, the University of Mississippi would grow marijuana indoors and outdoors, would roll it into what we call pre-rolls, but back then were called joints, (laughs) and they would put them in a canister and they would give them to patients that would sign up for this federal program. They had to be signed up, you know, prior to a certain date, right? Um, And that's how, and then any entity, any research entity who wanted to research cannabis We want to do a study on the efficacy of this or that with the cannabinoids. They would have to get their product from the University of Mississippi to do that research. Right. So 
That was the only entity in the United States that was legally allowed to grow and sell cannabis, right? So it was either a patient purpose or a research purpose. Fast forward, um, there was a uh, rescheduling effort about seven years ago. Okay, it didn't work out. There's been there's been a number of lawsuits filed over the years, right? That asked for rescheduling, and each one obviously was not successful. Um, but right now, the DEA has the sole authority to schedule or reschedule, right? So the Biden administration, Department of Health and Human Services, do this study. Let us know whether cannabis should be schedule one, two, three, four, or five, or off schedule. That's another option, by the way, not scheduled at all. And come back and tell the DEA and make a recommendation to the DEA about how they should schedule cannabis, right? And so that happened in the last. They, they actually gave the Department of Health and Human Services a year to do it. Department of Health and Human Services came back, I think, in 11 months uh, with their findings. So they were ahead of schedule on it. Shocking. A federal uh, task ahead of schedule. Unheard of, right? Leave the <laughs> Yeah. So they you came back. by that time, too. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> I don't know. We're counting the minutes here, Stuart. So Department of Health and Human Services comes back to the DEA. Um uh, two months ago and says, we recommend that cannabis should be a schedule three drug. And that has a number of implications, which we'll talk about. But before we get there, just wanted to touch base. So in 2020, the DEA decided to award additional permits under, under the federal law with the DEA to grow manufacture and sell cannabis both on the patient side and on the research side for other companies not just the university of mississippi so there, it was a certain period of time and there's all kinds of regulatory hurdles you have to get over right on the dea side and the the they opened it up and they awarded four more permits at the time right initially there was four more permits across the united states one was in Arizona, one was two were in California, and one was in York, Pennsylvania. And the one in York, Pennsylvania was a client of mine um, who we had come up and he was a very accomplished spine surgeon um, and had multiple businesses, but he was, a, he was a kind of a longer term client and decided to apply for this. So we did the application process with the DEA. We went through all the various inspections with the DEA and uh, God bless and thank you. He was awarded uh, one of the four permits across uh, the United States, which an incredible accomplishment, a watershed moment, if you will. Now, the interesting part is this, from a schedule one to schedule three, if, if my prescriptions are right, it's basically schedule three is like a Tylenol with codeine. That's, that's right. That's right. And that's a great point, right? Because um, you have a number of drugs, right, on the schedule three status, which was the recommendation that are sold over the counter. Right. And, and so you can you can get certain certain of those drugs over the counter, certain through prescription. And so cannabis, arguably, if it's a schedule three, could fall under a prescription and be sold in a pharmacy. And to your point, Georgia will be the first state to sell cannabis in pharmacies. Very, very, very important. First state in the United States. And that's that's uh, brand new, too. That's brand new legislation. Brand new. Yeah. Brand new legislation. That's right. And so, and so anyway, in any event, the impact 
of that rescheduling is 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 multifaceted. But the biggest issue is that because and I'm and, and I'm sorry, guys. I know you didn't tune into this podcast to talk about tax, but <laughs> what would be a cannabis podcast without talking about tax, right? Um, so there's this section called 280E in the IRS the code. Always follow the money. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's what we're doing, right? And 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 that's what the government does too. So they have this section 280E that didn't allow cannabis to take all of its deductions, only cost of goods sold deductions. And you may have heard me speak about this in our last podcast. But because it's rescheduled or would be rescheduled to a Schedule 3, Section 280E only applies to Schedule 1 drugs. So by rescheduling to Schedule 3, that means the Section 280E does not apply to cannabis, which means that cannabis now can take all its deductions, like a regular business, all its expenses, all its costs are taken as deductions, and then you pay a tax on your, your net profit, right? And that's that's your taxable number. And cannabis businesses have never ha- had to pay that tax because it's always been about 70% instead of about 30% or 35% or sometimes 20%. 179 yeah. deduction for equipment. It, it's, it's wide right. open. It's wide open. So, and, and depreciation, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such good news. What, what's there's got to be some opposition to this you're right and it's a great question so there's not you know nothing in this space and 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 this is not just for cannabis in a lot of various industries um when you're trying to make progress get past a certain point there's always groups people businesses that have an opposite view whether that it, they are you know the uh the federal tax collector right who doesn't want to lose that money they're an ancillary business they're a regulator, you know, whoever it is. So there's actually a group called CANRA and CANRA, C-A-N-N-R-A. CANRA is a um, industry group, but it's limited. You can't be a member of it unless you are a regulator in either on the federal level or on the state level in cannabis. So it's made up of regulators. A couple of those regulators have written to the DEA to say, we don't think this is such a good idea. And, and it's all of the reasons that you heard of in the past, right? Will lead to harder drugs, you know, all of these kind of arguments that just haven't happened. Um, so there's a contingent in Canra who has uh, some opposition to it, but it's, I would tell you that there's not any novel arguments from the opposition on the rescheduling. Um, there's also, a, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Smart Approaches to Marijuana, Sam. And Smart Approaches to Marijuana was actually started by one of the Kennedys um, of the Kennedy family, right, out of Massachusetts um, to take a different approach to how to roll out uh, uh, re- legal and regulated cannabis across the United States. They've been in opposition to cannabis programs since day one. Right. So this is just another thing that they're going to oppose. They're not specific to necessarily the rescheduling. They are opposed to any type of legalization effort across cannabis. So that's another kind of um, uh, entity that's against it. But there's otherwise very, very wide support. And if anybody listening to this does some research on it, just even some Google research, you'll see that there's multiple, uh, both federal and state level regulators reaching out, wanting this to be rescheduled. 
because uh, these some of these cannabis businesses, because of, of the tax treatment, right, that we talked about, are exiting some of these jurisdictions, right? So they're saying, forget it. You know, we're not, we're not going to do it anymore. We're out. You didn't want, you wanted your taxes? Well, you're not going to get anything now, right? And we're going to cut off our nose to spite our face. We just saw some companies get out of Massachusetts, right? That's been an adult use state for, for six years now. And now we're seeing some companies try to get out and move out of Arizona. And what's happening is there's price compression that's happening because the market's maturing, but the tax liability is still too high, right? So when you're dealing with price compression and the tax liability, it equals a big disaster usually for a lot of these businesses. So is, is, is it, is it, you know, with, with this, with all this coming on, is the, is the business maturing or is it ready for almost like another whole startup phase? That's a great point. So in, in, in the life of this industry, we've seen a couple of these inflection points, right? Where we're here, we have some businesses going, then some laws change, and then we're on another trajectory up, right? And we do envision a trajectory up with changes in rescheduling, right? And changes on the banking in particular in the short term. We expect that trajectory to go up. We've also seen a lot of consolidation in the market. So as this industry matures, like a lot of industries, it goes through a, a roll-up period where a lot of the new permittees either get combined or get eaten up by larger players. And that's, we've seen that a lot over the last three years. The consolidation has slowed down a little bit in the last year, but with some changes to that federal law, like we're talking about rescheduling, we expect, we expect that consolidation to ramp up just as the market continues to go up. So excellent question, Stuart. Yeah. Also, didn't New York just up this um, uh, implement some programs as far as the application process goes? Absolutely. So New York is a an incredible story. Um, it's kind of a a what to do and what not to do story, and we may save that for another podcast. But um, nonetheless, there's been a very big push to cure the wrongs of the past. And what do I mean by that? What they, they term it as a social equity program, right? And the idea is there are people that have been subject to harsh cannabis laws in the past. They may have gotten arrested for it. They may have done some time for cannabis. And because of that, the states now want to award them or give them preference, I should say, to hold cannabis licenses, right? And so you have to have some business acumen, right? You can't just, you know, be arrested two days ago and then, all right, I got my thing here, right? It's not like that. But New York had a program called the, and I'll just give you the anagram is QUARD, C-U-R-A-D, right? And that was a method and an application process to allow social equity applicants to apply in New York. That opened up over a year ago. Stewart's point is the one that's probably much more important in that now they've opened up the application process to everybody. Okay. And so now we have a, we have an open application uh, portal. Um, it's going to be coming online and opening up soon. And it's for all classes of licenses, retail, manufacturing, cultivation, micro cultivation, right? Uh, that's usually about 3,500 square feet or less of a flowering canopy would be your micro cultivation, right? A smaller business. One of my favorite types of businesses, by the way, I think that craft cultivation is really the way uh, the cannabis business is maturing away from the 50, 100, 200,000 square foot, you know, grow facilities that we see in California and Canada, uh, for instance. What? One last question. Sure. Prediction. Uh, yes. Before, yes. before November 24th, 
I, I would like to say that. Um, the rescheduling, there's no timeline on the DEA to make a decision is the issue. The DEA right now, we're not waiting on legislators. We're not waiting on any of that. It's literally if the DEA wants to take the recommendation from the Department of Health and Human Services and implement that or not. And they have the sole discretion to do that. So they could take that decision tomorrow. They could make that decision a year from now. There is a major push amongst the industry and amongst other uh, federal agencies like the National Institute of Drug Abuse, NIDA. That's the entity that you have to go through if you want to do research on cannabis, right? So they support rescheduling, right? Um, and so uh, the National Institute of Health, that's another one, right, that supports it. So there's some government agencies also pushing for the DA to adopt the recommendation of the Department of Health and Human Services. We do expect them to do that. Um, yeah. To not do that, I think, would be disingenuous um, and against kind of the flavor of, of what's been going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. Well, you are the expert in that industry, and um, we're going to look forward to future updates. And then the next podcast, we'll, uh, we'll probably hit some psychedelics. That whole, that whole market, which is, you know, that, that's, that's, all over, that's all over the place. So um, any, any closing remarks before, uh, before we call it a day, if you will? Oh, uh, no. Other than to thank you, Stuart, for having me. It's always a pleasure to get on these podcasts and talk about things that are happening in real time. And I would say to anybody who's listening that's thinking about either applying for a permit or currently holds a permit on renewal or some other facet to reach out to the Oberman firm and let us know. And we can do our best to guide you that way. But we brought a lot of uh, companies online um, in the cannabis space. And so we continue to do that. And we'll continue to help out our clients be successful in this industry. Well, also, I, I want to have our listeners also look for our, our newsletter to come uh, with additional information. So, uh, Justin, thank you. And then, uh, Will, I'll be working on uh, a couple more of these to keep our, uh, our clients and industry updated. So, Justin, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Stuart.